Pre-pandemic, my recollection of neighbours, you know, people who live above you, who live across the, the hall from you, if you live in a flat, if you live in a city, usually, other than in 2010, where my neighbour across the hallway turned out to be a drug dealer mm-hmm. and whose flat then got raided. Right, memorable. Most neighbours have been pleasant. However, my neighbours downstairs uh, are an older couple who like to shout. Mm-hmm. And last week, they, the, the man off the house came upstairs to shout at me and my uh, my parents who were here right. for walking too loudly. Oh, no. Which was a first, I tell you. Oh, but dear. But it's, it's now just intensely awkward. Like, he was... He, he came to the door. He, I opened the door. He shouted uh, that his lights were shaking because I, he didn't know what on earth we were doing up here. And I said, oh, we're walking from room to room. <laughs> and he said, well, can you please walk more quietly? And he, he was, like, yelling. Oh, no. But then my mum clearly heard, like, what was going on. And she, she stood behind me and gave him a death stare. And he very quickly Good left. power move. I've not heard anything from them since. But my goodness. The parent power move come, came in handy there. That that sounds awkward. Though. Oh, very. Like, I've been, kept, I've been kept awake late by noisy neighbours. But I've never felt the need to go yell at them. Well, that's the thing. Like, if you live in a big city, you know that you've got neighbours sometimes above you, sometimes, like, either side of you. And you just deal with it, because that's what happens when you live in a block with multiple people. Uh, yeah, you've kind of signed up for it. But I don't, um, I don't really like, know how to deal sure, with that. Sure, there's, there's, there's a limit, I guess, where you can, like, try and tell them, hey, if you don't be quiet, I'm going to call the authorities. But I've never really approached that line, so I don't know where it is for me. Well, um, but but also like if I was playing loud music or if I was doing DIY constantly or if I had a dog who was very yappy, fine. But uh, if I'm walking, yeah, walking there's literally especially. nothing I can do about that. I've just got a creaky floorboard. So does everybody. You gotta you gotta learn how to be flight of foot. Yeah, walk on your walk on your toes. Well, which is which is why I do because you know there's he's, the old man's pretty scary when he shouts. And I did tell him to stop shouting, which actually made him shout more. So I've learned my lesson there. <laughs> No, just keep saying it. <laughs> that's how it, that's how it ends. Well, if someone's raging, the 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 best way to de-escalate is to say, "Hey, why are you, why are you so angry?" And then just keep doing it until they get arrested, and then it de-escalates because okay, okay. they're in jail. I mean, I mean, the, the you're missing the middle step where somebody gets stabbed. So, and that person being me. But yeah, you you get battered a wee bit. Um, but you know, I'm just I'm just I'm just glazing over it. It's fine. Just after it. No more problems. This is why people get cameras installed on their property so they can, you know, catch the act of being stabbed and say, hey, my downstairs neighbour just stabbed me and I've got it on camera. So maybe I'll just, like, set my phone up. No, it's good to have, good to have cameras. Yeah. Have, 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 a, have, a, have a, an array of cameras always on. Oh, man. To capture every instance of your existence just in case something goes wrong one time. But the, the other thing that this whole... Uh, issue slash dispute over nothing brought to mind was I would quite like to buy a house eventually yeah but then you look at the prices of uh, of houses right now and you think I'm gonna I'm gonna have to save nah, for like at least half a decade to maybe even get yep. like a slightly nice house with a garden yes yes and uh, and that made me sad so I'm just going to have to deal with it. It's not the same world as, as it was uh, decades ago. Things are mad right now for oh, they are. trying to buy decent properties. If you want all of your walls to be your own walls and none of them to be shared, that's like barely possible oh, yeah. for the for the younger generations. I know people with very good jobs who have, who have at best managed to get themselves into an area that's like semi-detached. Yeah, yeah, I would say most people I know 
very few, I should say, very few people have a detached house. Most of them are living next or next door to something or someone. Yeah. But also, as you say, the the generational uh, change has been massive. You know, it's it's not just buying houses. It's also, if I was my dad right now, I'd have three kids. Yeah. I don't know how they did that. Oh, I mean, uh, I mean, I do. Well, no, you know exactly. You know when <laughs> Sorry, they did that. Let me let me rephrase. I could pinpoint exactly when, but uh, <laughs> I am completely bamboozled as to how they managed that. How did you, at this age, just be like, yeah, it's fine. I can work full time and have three kids. <laughs> it's no bother at all. No, yeah, no. The 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 the, the money difference. The, I don't even. I don't get it. I don't understand how it is possible to, at any kind of youngish age, have enough money around to own property, yep. own vehicles, raise family, yep. go on trips. And yeah, granted, I know some people that are doing it, but most of the people who are doing that are in pretty good jobs. They're pretty secure and well paid. Right. Um, not the not the kind of stuff that we see if we go back a couple of uh, generations or not even a couple one generation where people are getting their first home while working their first job yep. uh, just out of college and they're starting a family that right there and then it's it's a huge difference. I mean, let's be real: doing voiceovers for Asian internet companies is not going to buy me a house, and editing Rocket League videos similarly, you may find that a struggle. <laughs> So the only option, James, is that we monetize this podcast ah. and become just multimillionaires overnight. The dear, the dear listeners must buy our houses. Exactly. For us. Or see, we can start working for Morgan Stanley, which is maybe the more viable option and better than J.P. Morgan by like a fraction. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome to Seesaw Parade, everybody. <laughs> Episode two five six with your very poor hosts. Colin and I'm and I'm James. I'm also James. We're both James. <laughs> Colin is both. I'm nobody today. <laughs> oh man, yeah. This is this is what happens when you've uh, had a very distinct lack of sleep for a few days. Okay, welcome to the show, everybody. Oh, I've done the same. Oh, great. Okay, we're both in the same boat. This is Scotland's least favorite. No, I lost it. I've ruined it. <laughs> This is your new this favorite is your podcast. This new doll podcast, the least favorite podcast in all of Scotland. <laughs> That's the one. Thank you, James. And also less popular than fascism, and we do have the stats to prove that. <laughs> but James, it's been a, it's been a good week. It's been a, a productive week, and here we are. So thank you very much to everybody who continues to listen to the show. We very much appreciate it, and thank you to people who do let us know that they have been watching because uh, I really enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, me too. And uh, again, just showing how little sleep I've had, you've not been watching, you've been listening. Oh yeah, you said watching. <laughs> oh my. No, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm lacking sleep because I had to wake up early for a vaccine uh, yesterday. Oh. And that's kind of trickled over. Are, are you recommending Microsoft products to everybody yet? Uh, no, no, I've got good antivirus installed. Um, oh, I see. So that got the okay. that got the Microsoft part of the vaccine, and then the rest of it should deal with the coronavirus. Right. You you can get in touch with Seesaw Parade to tell us about your vaccine after effects, but you can also uh, tell us if you agree, disagree, or would like to contribute to anything we talk about on the show. A couple of comments to talk about. Shanana BT pointed out that actually oh. there is a third aquarium in Scotland. <gasps> There's one in there's one in St Andrews. I did not know this. Oh uh, yeah, St Andrews is basically England, right? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's to just be like fair, far away, a little a little exclave. I, I watched. Uh, there was an advert on ITV yesterday between the football, which was one of those like born in X place, 
raised in the Royal Navy. Or made, sorry, not raised. Made in the Royal Navy. Or made in the Royal Marines. <laughs> raised. <laughs> raised by Marines. Yeah. And, uh, raised by Marines. And right? it was born in St. Andrews. I thought, that is a very interesting place to have chosen for that advert. That, yeah, that's an interesting one. You know, they're not saying, you know, born in Bailiston. Yeah, they're not going for the usual, like, manipulative recruiting practices of, like, born poor, now I have purpose. Born in Onfank. <laughs> like, no one's, <laughs> no one's leaving the scheme in Kilmarnock to join the Marines. So St Andrews, no, I, I thought, was very apt for that. And I, I was joking about the England thing. I do like St. Andrews. It's yeah. a lovely space. I've never been to the aquarium there. Nope. I, I have gone to the to the golf course and looked at all the expensive things and thought, whoa, that's really expensive, and then left. Things are expensive. That is true. And uh, also we had another one-sentence review of Loki, episode four from Izzy. This one saying... Good stuff. Yeah. Every part of this episode is awesome. I take back everything I said about it being boring. Although Owen Wilson is still playing himself, but that's okay because everything is suddenly very exciting. Didn't we do that one? And no, no, this is episode four. We're yet to get to the last week was episode three. I bet we, I, I'm putting all my all my eggs in that. I think we have. No, we haven't. Get back to us on on the, uh, Caesar Parade at Twitter. Absolutely, did not mention if that last we're, week. If we're if we're putting you through uh, deja vu. Absolutely not. We 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 only talked about it being like Doctor Who last week. But that is good to hear that episode four is a return to form. Uh, and also we had one more, uh, a couple more comments. One asking about the woman from the Tour de France where the operators or the the people who are competing have now dropped the charges slash the threats of suing her. Oh. Uh, because, yeah, it, it seemed like they got a bit hot under the collar at the time and then perhaps realised a few days later, well, maybe threatening to sue this woman for two million euros is a little bit over the top. A little bit much. So they've uh, they've dropped that, but she has been arrested. She's been arrested. And I, I'm sure her, her grandpa and granny are very proud of her. Yeah, and I don't know what kind of charges you get chucked at you for a little bit of a road invasion on a street race. It's, it's hard to imagine what they would be because it's kind of on the organisers, even though it's impossible to shield the road for the whole that whole distance. So I don't know. Well, it's... As we talked about last week, the spectators on the tour, they know what's expected of them, and that is to stay out the way. But for this particular woman who was not even facing the riders, yeah. she was just watch- she was just looking at the camera. Like, that's the problem. She was just turning to the camera. What we need to do is have no cameras. <laughs> that, would, that would be great. Just go back to the olden days where we listened to it on the radio. Even better. Just mic up, mic up every single bikeman and bike woman <laughs> and other bikers, and then... Um, have a live feed of every single one of them on all the time and just try and figure out what's going on. Sounds like a great plan. Okay, and one final comment before we crack on with this week's show. Uh, ML was listening to the story of my dad ordering a Aberdeen Angus burger at a Mexican restaurant and then managed to find a picture of me doing exactly the same thing on holiday (laughs) in Malta 12 years ago. (laughs) Ah, Malta's a bit further away than your flat. (laughs) May I just point out, at this point, I was 17 years old, it was the first time I had left the country, (laughs) and yes. Uh, Yeah, and I think your dad's a bit older than 17, to be fair. I ordered a burger at a Maltese restaurant. But then later on that week, I had swordfish, and I didn't see any mention of that. So... (laughs) Yeah, of course. Uh, you get wrecked. Get wrecked, ML. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you remember about the swordfish? <laughs> Clearly just conveniently forgot about that. But anyway, thank you very much for getting <laughs> in touch. forgot. You can do at Seasoperate on Twitter. Propaganda. I, this is, uh, I know, it's awful. And Seasoperate at gmail.com for anything longer form. We do have a, sh- uh, a section later in the show where we talk about what we've been watching over the past week. And if you, dear listener, have finished a movie, a TV show, a book 
or you've gone out for a nice meal and you've ordered a burger, then you can tell us about that. And we'll play it. We'll talk about it. We'll read it out yeah. on the show. Yeah. Okay, James, uh, as, uh, as, as COVID is unlocking, let's unlock this podcast. And talk about... Oh, that was bad. And talk about what's happening in the UK and how disaster is about to strike again. Oh, yeah. I mean, more. More disaster. Yeah. Love that. Okay, James, a lot has happened in terms of the... uh, the relaxing of restrictions in the UK over the last few days. So I'm going to hit you with a few headlines and then we'll talk about the, the bigger picture. Okay. Let's start with uh, with this. The Prime Minister Boris Johnson announced that the lifting of most of the remaining COVID-19 restrictions in England is happening on July 19th. This was amid a backlash from the government's scientific advisors uh, who were warning that doing so would be like building new variant factories. So, despite the fact that cases have risen to their highest level uh, since the uh, last winter, December and January, the Prime Minister has decided that actually unlocking is the right thing to do. Sure. And similarly, on this point... He also said that masks will be a personal choice, mm. which is very interesting mm-hmm. in that uh, comparison, in comparison to the Scottish government, who said there will still be an ongoing need for masks, particularly in shops, in public transport. This is a very much a, a divide between the two countries. And we saw this in action last night or was it? Yeah, it was last night. The prime minister was leaving the England game at Wembley and was snapped any taxi Unmasked, <gasps> or perhaps it was his, his chauffeur-driven car. Technically, means he is uh, liable to a two hundred pound fine. Yeah, I hope he gets fined. But I'd be very surprised if Boris got that. I'm very surprised if he could afford it. L- linked to all this, so indeed, linked to all this is the fact that cases are now predicted to rise to at least fifty thousand by the end of this month, potentially to a hundred thousand by uh, late summer. And then the news today oh, is that fully vaccinated UK residents arriving in England from amber list countries no longer have to quarantine from uh, July 19th. They will still need to pay for COVID tests before mm. and after, right. but uh, they will now be exempt. Okay. And uh, travel leaders said this was a, a positive step, but they want now more countries to be added to the amber list. We're still... James, uh, some way away from hearing the specifics of what's happening in Scotland. But what we do tend to see is that uh, whatever the English slash UK government announce is then followed, usually a few weeks later, with a bit more caution by the Scottish government. So let's just talk about England, first of all, and the face mask issue. Because I don't know about you, but I'm going to keep wearing my face mask when I am, for example, walking around Tesco and following the hundreds of other people who are groping the peppers yep. and touching everything else in sight. That, to me, just seems the sensible. But uh, apparently, uh, as seen by lots of Z-list celebrities on Twitter, anyone who's wearing a face mask after July 19th is an idiot. I think it is completely reasonable for somebody to say that everybody who wears face masks are idiots. That's, you know, a belief. Go ahead and say it. We all know who the idiot is, regardless. However, I think it's completely stupid to get rid of any mandate for them on things like public transport or packed out shops or things like that. It completely puts more people at risk. And that's it. It doesn't actually benefit anybody to make the masks not a mandate anymore in those spaces. It's not going to help anybody. Um, So all they're doing is trying to declare so many freedoms 
and so many liberties. So they're seen as the party of freedom and liberty and they're seen as the party of all this um, patriotic nonsense. And then people will keep voting for them. And you know what? It's a good strat because when they give everybody freedom and when they give everybody personal choice and they say it's uh, up to each one of us to do our best and then everything goes real bad, they go, well, it's not our fault. We're the government. Yep. We gave you the, the choice to do, to do this. This is on you. And then they get voted for again because everybody just is angry at each other. Um, and it's the same play we've seen so many times in the pandemic and so many times throughout history from conservative governments around the world of um, just trying to wash their hands off all their errors by saying that it's the public that are at fault and they will do it again. And it's going to work. And people will be very unwell. Many people will die. And it's all for the sake of a little bit more security for the vote. And that's it. Right. Okay. So just to add some more information here, during the speech in which Boris was outlining these changes, he said something along the lines of, sadly or regrettably, we have to reconcile the fact that more people will die. And that to me is indicative of the fact that both the UK government and the Scottish government, as I talked about last week, seem to be now of the opinion that, okay, we gave this our best shot but we're just going to have to live with it. And that's the uh, the turn of phrase that's being used. Ooh. But if you look at the reality of what's happening, mm-hmm. if these infections go up to the predicted rates, then even though it is millennials and young people being infected and we care less about them, yeah. that's still a lot of people in hospital. And we've seen over the last uh, few days, we've had four hospitals in Scotland declare code black. And that means they're at capacity and they're having now to cancel non-urgent surgeries, which is bad news. So even at this point in the summer where people are being vaccinated, these hospitals are having to close because they cannot cope with the amount of people who need care. Now, whilst the people who are going to hospital are less ill than we saw in January, you know, rather than fighting for life, they are just needing a little bit of help. Of course, there are still a lot of people who are still seriously ill in intensive care and people are still dying every single day in Scotland. It is a different type of hospitalisation. That being said, they are still taking up beds. And uh, and this to me is just a bad idea. Like, why didn't we just hold off for another few weeks, let more people be vaccinated so there's more protection in the community and we let these hospitals, which are already at capacity, handle or rather cope with the demand at the moment. So these are Rigmore and Inverness, one in Aberdeen, one in Elgin and NHS Lanarkshire, which said it's now moving towards Code Black. So the whole thing is, as we've seen throughout the pandemic, terribly and predictably mishandled. And and honestly, if you're looking at the conversion of case rate to death rate, um, it's still one in a thousand people that are thereabouts or that are getting the virus are still dying. That's that's quite a lot. And especially if you're looking at getting millions of people infected over the course of the rest of the summer. Um, so this idea of embracing the virus and just living with it as a new normal is just going to sacrifice people's health for the sake of the economy and for the sake of political security um, and all sorts of things that, that there are other ways to tackle, as we're still seeing in other countries who are still attempting to hold on to the best version of a safer normality than, than we are. Right. Um, but I think we're going to be, once again, diving in headfirst, leading the world in a clumsy response to uh, coronavirus and other countries are going to follow track now. Um, even if vaccines turn out to be less effective against the 
viruses that continue to mutate. And that was another point is that, yeah, there are going to be more mutations in the UK if if we do this, at least it's likely. And then worldwide, things are even worse. There's definitely going to be dozens of more mutations, mutations as far as I'm concerned. And right. any single one of them could suddenly completely make one of the vaccines half as effective or completely ineffective. And that would be dire. Yeah. So just to give you my own thoughts on this, the first one is that if you wanted to attempt to create a new variant which was immune to, to the vaccine, the way you would do it would be to scrap all restrictions yeah. at the height of summer when people and are the healthy people. mixing together. Yeah. You know, that that's how you would do it and you would just let it run through the population. So well, yeah. that to, to me is 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 bonkers. The second aspect, as we, we talked about last week, is the fact that to me the governments of particularly the UK, but seemingly both, are now very much of the the view of, well, you know, we gave it a good shot, but now it's time just to deal with it. And the responsibility is being passed on to yeah. us. Individuals. You know, it's the masks are a personal choice. And, yeah. you know, this is, we're just going to have to live with it. So it's almost as if it's being padded off to, right, it's up to you now. And when things go wrong, it will be a case of, well, people didn't behave themselves. And the final aspect is this decision to go restriction free, as you've touched on already, is a political move. It is not to do with the safety of people. If it was to do with the safety of people, you would hold off on lifting the restrictions for at least a few more weeks until you had more people vaccinated and uh, until there were more people who were safer than they currently are, yeah. rather than seeing the rising number of cases and saying, you know what, it's fine. We talked about July 19th. It's going to be July 19th. And because we talked about it so much and because it's the summertime, we're doing it now anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like the more people you're giving the virus to who are off like good health or who are even vaccinated because the vaccines aren't fully effective and um, the more likely we are to get that mutation that crosses the line into something that is more harmful for people that aren't vulnerable or is more harmful for people who have vaccines uh, and again not a massive sacrifice that we don't need to be to be making especially when it's such things as just like put a mask on if you're going in a bus and if you don't you're you're you get a fine like nobody is getting saved by taking their mask off to go on, to go on a bus or by not having their mask on them as they're heading out the door to get public transport. And I, yeah, I'm I'm still wearing mine if I'm walking down the street. I don't even want to be, I don't want to be walking past people without a mask, even though I've got vaccine number one now, even though I'm healthy enough. You know, it is just not worth it, even for a low percentage chance of catching the real bad virus. It's just not worth it at this point. Uh, lastly, let's talk about the uh, the restrictions on travel being lifted. This means that if you are double jabbed, coming back from an amberlist country, you no longer have to uh, to self-isolate. Aye. Aye. Uh, James, this uh, this is going to be trialled, I believe, at uh, Gatwick and also Heathrow with people showing some sort of vaccine passport or some way to prove that they've been, uh, mm. they've been vaccinated. I'm unsure how how robust right. that system is going to be. Because ultimately, as we've seen from New Zealand, Australia, S- South Korea, the way that you shut this virus down and you stop variants spreading or being created is to close the borders, not to just open up more places to to everybody. Uh, and again, I at this point, the government will do what they want and people will, to some extent, say, great, I can fly to Mallorca. Right, And they'll do their thing, they'll come back, and whether they're double vaccinated or not, could will come back with the virus unknowingly and then pass on to someone else. And here we are, we're back in yeah. spreading the, the virus again. Like the numbers game is, 
is significant because if the vaccine is effective in 98 of every 100 people, uh, the more you multiply that two people by <laughs> in overall terms, the bigger that number gets. Two gets pretty big pretty fast. Depends on what you're multiplying it with. Um, and that's that's the way it is. And I'm fully, ex- as I've been saying, I'm fully expecting, I, especially the Pfizer vaccine, because that's what I got. I'm fully expecting real bad news about that one right around the corner. Saying it on the podcast now. Why? Either this week, next week. Well, I got the, I got it, and therefore it's cursed. I'm sorry, everybody who ever got the Pfizer Moderna thing, because I now have it, and I will apply my curse of life to all of you. And next week, they're going to tell us that it, oh yeah, against the new variant, it's, it's not effective anymore. We'll we'll have to revaccinate everybody with other vaccines. That's that feel one of those vaccine stories feels inevitable, and um, with the way the world's dealing with this, and it's, and again, especially because we still aren't just mass manufacturing, giving out for free, having this global cooperation, and it's the same as we've been saying since the start of the pandemic. Governments of different kinds are either focusing on cooperation or on telling everybody to deal with it themselves, and the more cooperation there is, the better, and the more it's like individual responsibility there is the worse yeah and that's just the way it's going to be and we're leaning even heavier into individual responsibility now i can only hope that scotland doesn't go quite as bad as as england is, is looking at going with in terms of that what, one final point actually i want to raise i will admit that uh very infrequently on seesaw parade i get things wrong oh I, at least a few times per episode <laughs> i said a few weeks ago i predicted that after the euros glasgow would be back in lockdown that obviously has not happened However, it hasn't, which is great. You know, that's great. I like to be proved wrong. I mean, well, it probably should have been back in lockdown. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, by the by. My my thoughts now, or or the question I'd like to ask now, because I saw at least half a dozen clever people predicting this on Twitter, was that uh, this it, this is going to be a short lived relaxation. That uh, anyone who believes that this is us back to normal for the foreseeable future until the next pandemic comes along yeah. is uh, sadly deluded. Do you share that view? Because, for example, I could well foresee uh, a scenario, well, I'm avoiding predicting it, but I could see a scenario in which we have the uh, the lack of restrictions for, let's say, a couple of months until September, maybe October, and then as cases begin to, to rise, we go back into another lockdown. That's That's just a scenario I'm putting out there that I would like you to consider. Do you think that's that's something which could well happen? I I'm not sure about it this time. Okay. The big dif- I I think the big difference would be if there is a big bad mutation that undoes some of the vaccine work because again, millennials don't matter. Zoomers don't matter. As far as the government cares, those age groups do not matter. They aren't going to vote anyway. Right. So the only people they're looking at is the older age groups who are mostly vaccinated who aren't really getting a lot of ca- cases right now. Um, and I say that, and some of them are approaching like um, 40 cases per day and stuff like that in Scotland. Um, but still, because of this big difference between the generations where all of the pensioners who vote and all of the older folks who vote and who are already bribed by pension triple locks and stuff, all the government's eggs are in the old people basket. And because the old people are vaccinated, they will keep just giving whatever the old people want. And then it will be at the sacrifice of the health of the younger generations. Uh, so it's the same as story as the pensions, triple luck, and how that's just going to sacrifice our future. Same story as all the housing stuff, which is a sacrificing of our future. Uh, everything was balanced for the last few generations, and so is the coronavirus response. And in this case, at least it's somewhat logical. They were probably going to die from it 
more like than we were. But I don't like the pandering at this point. And I, but I, I, they will continue. So I don't see a lockdown unless those age groups start to feel vulnerable again. But I do see re restrictions coming back for, for autumn. Autumn restrictions at the very least, potentially a lockdown. Right, James, before we talk about reviews, a couple of sports stories, because the Euros are almost at an end. It would be really hard to tell that they were still going on. I'll be honest with you, it's, it's really, it would be really hard to know based off of like endless amounts of news pings about football teams winning games. Uh, particularly England. Yes, there has been a lot of coverage because England are playing in the Euro 2020 final against Italy, which is happening this Sunday. Now, I believe this is the first final England have got to in 55 years. Not that you would know it because they haven't mentioned it, but uh, yeah. They beat Denmark two goals to yeah, one. It's funny. They don't mention their own failures so much. It's really weird. That. <laughs> it is a strange one. But yeah, they beat Denmark two goals to one at Wembley on Tuesday night. Wednesday night, even. Uh, with, a, with what can only be called a dodgy victory. Uh, yeah, the, the penalty was more of a dive than a penalty. However, having watched the game, uh, they were the marginally better side. Yeah, well, it was one of those games where nobody won and then somebody got through anyway. Yeah. Which is a summary, my summary of the Euros. I don't think I've seen a single game where I was like, oh yeah, that was that was good. There have been a couple of good games, but there there's yet to be a, a, a team where I've thought, you know what, those are the champions of Europe right there. Yeah, th that team looks very good. I've just thought, these teams have kind of all scraped through yep. by hook or by crook or by yep. dive. But yeah, there we go. Mostly dive. England v Italy in the final. The commentary on ITV yesterday, yes. I actually watched the first half on mute because it was unbearable. Uh -huh. And the second half, do you know what I thought was happening? Was And I hate to, to criticise other broadcasters because we've all been there. But what I could gather was that Sam Matterface was attempting to come up with like an iconic piece of commentary. Oh, something no. that people would remember for decades no. to come. You know, you the, don't try and force the line. You know, they think it's all over. It is now. You know, that sort of line. Yeah, or even the classics. The, the 2011 when Man City won the league in uh, the last minute of injury time and the commentator literally screams the word Aguero, you know, that has become an iconic piece of commentary. However, right. he was attempting to, like, manufacture stuff. And there was so much innuendo in what he was saying. He was telling the fans who were watching this uh, to ride the emotion and that Pickford had fingered the ball. There was at least numerous, there was numerous times in the game where I thought, you're just saying that to... Either try and amuse yourself. No, he, might, he might have like a bingo card or something to be filling in. He's got his set list of goals, things he's got to say without getting fined. And then at the very end, he was telling people to take tomorrow off work, to just tell the boss that they were ill. And, and that, you know, look at who you're with. Remember this moment. What? It will live on in the memory. You're like, you've just won a semi-final. This, I hate the culty aspect of football so much. It makes me hurt. Uh, I was I was sitting with Graham and sitting with his sister's cat, Lola, and I was like, remember this moment. No. Oh. And ironically, I will remember this moment because <laughs> he said it and I thought, I'm going to remember it. I, I was sitting with a cat who is uh, who's a very nice cat who actually does like me, which is great. And uh, we were watching the, the football and I was I was sick of the commentary. However, let me just add at this point okay. that uh, as much as I dislike saying it, England have a decent team for once. It's come together. And this is the best chance 
I believe they will have in a long time yeah. to win a tournament. They are at Wembley. They're playing in London with a full capacity stadium against an Italian team. Uh, an Italian team who, whilst talented, do have a lot of old defenders. They do. So I could well see England winning this. Do I want them to win it? Not really. No, yeah, no. But are they going to? I'm going to say they will, and that will be sickening because the coverage will be disgusting. I'm just yeah, I was going to avoid reading anything in general for a long time afterwards because it's the the, the the religion aspect the culty aspect it, it it honestly makes me sad because i see the manipulation behind it their goal is just to keep the people subservient and they do it via football in this element and it's not everybody you can like football in a normal human way and be invested in a normal human way and like your team yeah but as soon as it starts becoming a cult or a religion to you you've got to be you've got to be pulling back from that but you can't because they keep pumping out all the really, really manufactured patriotism nonsense and all of this. And you can tell how fake everybody is because they're all like singing the praises of this godly team when a few weeks ago they were going to boycott the whole thing because the team knelt. <laughs> they, the team got booed at the start of the contest because they knelt. So nothing is real. They, they, they are still booing. There are still fans who are booing the players taking an E. And there's still exactly. fans booing the national anthem of whoever England are playing. Oh, yeah. I believe England... Uh, have now been fined for um, racism and also are getting a fine because somebody brought a laser pointer into the stadium. Yes. uh, Got Schmeichel just before the penalty. Yeah, there were were pictures all over social media of someone shining a laser at the Danish goalkeeper yesterday uh, during the penalty, which England went on to score. Right, very, like seconds later. I thought that they would have stopped play to get rid of it and then like the penalty take, but it was like, it was right at the penalty. Yep. But uh, hey ho, that's uh, that's football for you. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I don't know if England win, it's never going to be seen as a non-tainted victory for anybody in the world except die-hard religious England fans who will just try and forgive themselves for all of the the the, the mess they made. But everybody in the world can already see that this run has got so many questions that need answers uh, and that won't ever have answers. Um, and it, any victory is just going to be sour. And then eventually when it, nothing will matter, everything will go back to not mattering because, you know, they're <laughs> far away, I guess. Yep. Um, but no, that like the Italy team is genuinely good. They're Like you say, they're old, but they have got a decent unbeaten run behind them. So the finals isn't a walk-in for England by any means. Uh, a shoe-in or a walk-in. Both, both of them would work. But my the final <laughs> point I would make of the commentary is that yesterday there was one point where Sam Matterface said, you know what? After the last 16 months that we've had in this country, England deserve this. I thought, what, what about Denmark? You know, what about the rest of the countries in the Euro? Do they not deserve it? <laughs> Denmark famously didn't get the coronavirus. <laughs> so, so therefore, come on, England, you deserve this. The rest of you, shove yeah, it. It's a self-centered view. It sucks. Like, And I wish we could get broadcasting that wasn't. I wish I could just watch stuff that didn't have all of this, like... Jingoism. Tainted aspect that I cannot handle. Um, but it's just, it's all there. And I, I, I'm sure I wouldn't even hate the team as much as I do if it wasn't for all of the religious broadcasting well, about it. It's not so much the team. Like, the team are are quite likable. Like, Gareth Southgate... Yeah, they all seem decent. ...is the nicest English manager in years. You've had Marcus Rashford, who's done a lot for the children of this country. Raheem Sterling, you again, has gone through a lot, deals with a lot, and comes out of it the other side a, the yeah. better person. So they they do have a likable team. I absolutely wish I could root for the team. I want to be able to wish them a victory, but I just know that it will be 
intolerable if they win. And it's not because of them. Just also on the Brit- Brits playing sport aspect, we did have a couple of uh, British stories in the Wimbledon in the tennis. Andy Murray. Oh yeah, that happened. That, yeah, he went out in the third round, and what I saw was a wee bit sad. Like he he obviously has had a really rough time with injuries over the last few years. He had uh, essentially a big metal plate put in his hip, but he's been working really hard to get back yeah. into the competitive uh, world. He lost to Dennis. Shapilov or someone with a name like that from Canada and uh, in the post-match press conference he was basically saying is it really worth it was it really worth all of that trauma to go out in the third round of Wimbledon and and I get it like after a a match like that you would be feeling pretty rotten because he went out in straight sets I think maybe that was his point yeah you know I would have I would have liked to have put up uh, more of a fight fight, yeah and the other aspect sorry just before you, you you chime in the other point was uh, Emma Raducanu, who is the 18-year-old, oh, who got to the last 16. Disgusting from the Twitters. And, uh, oh, you have to inform me on that bit. But she got to the last 16 and she had to retire. By the sounds of things, she had some sort of panic attack on the on the court and just had to, she said in a post-match interview, it just all got to her. And she was yeah. really excited and she had the greatest week of her life and she was going to come back and she was going to win Wimbledon. I thought, good for you. But uh, no, I didn't. I did not see any social media reaction. What was it? It kind of stemmed from, I think McEnroe was talking about it a wee bit harshly on the broadcast. I can't quote him though. And then Piers Morgan, of course, dug in with his own hot take on the internet, talking about like, man up, if you can't handle this stage... You're, you're like weak all of that nonsense and then like all of the all of the people who cannot have empathy and cannot express it of course dove in as well and um, but it's just peers who actually you know couldn't handle the stage and quit his show because somebody questioned him once and um, so he's probably just projecting really hard um but unlike him this was somebody who was legitimately in a huge stage with Mo- the most nerves they've ever felt in their life. This is one of the most most viable panic attack moments uh, that there is. Yeah. So like the retiring made complete sense. I feel great empathy, and then I I I hate the response that we're seeing from people who are just so invested and yet more not quite as religious, but still more culty sport. Like you got to win it for for England. You got to win it for Britain. It's like no, take care of your mental health. Britain does not come before mental health, <laughs> ever. Yeah, yeah, and it's also the fact that these takes are coming from the likes of Piers Morgan and uh, John McEnroe. Weak people, weak people. McEnroe who melts, who used to melt down yep. at the vaguest hint of anything going wrong, trying to tell somebody else uh, that their mental game wasn't strong. And again, I'm not quite quoting him. I'm sorry that I don't remember what he said, but it wasn't kind. It wasn't from a place of empathy. I didn't talk about Andy Murray there. I also feel his pain because he's he probably just feels massive public pressure to play well and went through all this in part because he feels that pressure to do things for the UK and do things for uh, Scotland or Britain or whatever. Um, and I just hope that all the surgeries and rehab and stuff don't make him play tennis real good and enjoy that side of life again, but that they let him have like comfort day to day. That's my only hope because he's at, he's at a decent retirement age for a pro sports player. So all that rehab, it might not be worth it to get knocked out of Wimbledon in the third round. It might not be worth it when he loses at the Olympics after having won it twice already. Um, but hopefully it'll be worth it for the rest of his life as he's now got like a path forward for uh, a less painful existence. 
But if it's causing more pain, then that just sucks. So just to pick up on the, the Emma Raducanu stuff as well, what we've yeah. what I've just been seeing there on social media is a lot of people, including Kevin Peterson, former cricket player, who you just see like, mm. hey, this is a great opportunity for me to slag off this teenage girl because she can't handle the pressure. It's mad. Like, what gives you a right to just mad. just lay into her like that? Oh, I guarantee every single one of them has completely failed on some smaller stage and is just projecting and is just upset at themselves and they're taking it out on some unfortunate young woman. And it's disgusting. Okay, uh, let's talk about the Olympics. It's been confirmed today that the sporting event will go ahead without any spectators. Uh, James, this was something which the Japanese people had been clamoring for. In fact, they'd actually rather the yep. entire thing was cancelled. But the IOC said, no, nope, yes, it's going to happen anyway. We don't care. But it's happening at least without <laughs> any fans at all. Which I'm sure to... Yeah, less likely to harm the nation itself. Right, which I'm sure for some people will be very disappointing, but ultimately, if you were going to have this go ahead anyway, the least you can do is protect the people who clearly would much rather they stayed away anyway mm-hmm. by um, by just doing it, okay, just have the athletes in, yeah. and then they can go home. It, it makes sense. I mean, it's, it's probably the best bet in terms of recuperating even some of the value that's been sunk into prepping the infrastructure. Right. Um, so I can see why they would not be willing to give that up uh, to like a second time and probably for this, the only second chance they're going to get. Um, so I, I don't, yeah, it's a shame that it's not peak safety and there's definitely going to be outbreaks in the athletes', athletes village and stuff. But I'm, I'm glad that it's not going to cause a massive spike in any of the areas that these big events are in. Well, unless things go really wrong. Okay, right. Let's move on to what we've actually been watching this week. If you would like to get in touch with anything you've finished, a movie, a TV show, a book, or something fun you did, you can send us your review, ceaseoperate at gmail.com yes. or at ceaseoperate on Twitter. James, I have a movie to review. What do you have? Finished an anime, Colin. Oh, that This is groundbreaking, shocking news. I am can't believe it. I honestly, it's, uh, I'm almost upset at myself. Uh, let, let, let's go for yours first, because usually the anime gets relegated to second place. So you can go first. Oh man, I didn't prep. Um, but no, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I watched an anime called Odd Taxi. Odd Taxi. Uh, Odd Taxi. And it's about a taxi driver who is a walrus. Um, <laughs> but everybody's an animal in this show. Okay. Um, so it, it's fine. Um, but it's basically just about this taxi driver who gets caught up in a, a lot of drama. I mean, I suspect you would get into a lot of drama if you were a walrus taxi driver. Well, yeah, but if everybody else is animals, there's not so much drama. Like okay. picking up a hippo, they're not going to be like, you're a walrus? Right, oh, I see, okay. Um, is there any sort of like racial undertones in this, or are they all just different animals? No, there's not really, which was actually kind of pleasant, because it's not necessary to have okay. every single show try to tackle racism. And I think when everybody's a very different animal from each other, it would be a little bit risky to try and start assigning those different animals to different re- representations of human race. You might end up just being racist. Um, so they didn't really go for that. Um, but there's this overarching uh, plot about a, a, a missing a missing girl, and the whole thing surrounding that, uh, uh, so I, I, like a turf war between two members of a gang who are in the same gang, but they're kind of having a little battle back and forth. Okay. And um, the taxi driver is caught up in a bunch of situations. Some of his friends are caught up in similar situations. And it's just seeing this 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 walrus, I guess, um, traverse this really really twisty and turny story. 
uh, as everything really, really slowly comes together. Okay. And the show did a really good job of not revealing too much at a time. Right. So it, will, it will be revealing little bits of each mystery as each episode comes on and making you want to watch the next one. Um, and the overall aesthetic design sounds everything's really good it's cartoony enough that you don't need to take it too seriously but then it's really serious as well it's it's talking some pretty big topics okay um like it's not it's not one for the kids even though it looks a bit like a kid's show um but overall the, the whole thing was really well presented really well done convincing characters a bunch of b plots so many b plots i like i liked every single one of them though so it was fine okay how many uh, how many episodes are in the series sure it's like 13 episodes one season only uh, okay um, and it's just really well done and as I, like i'm 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 trying to hit, i'm trying to say the, the number of mysteries that you're given and presented with to think about each each week is really satisfying it's not like there's just one it's not like okay. missing girl who is it 13 episodes later oh there she is um it's it's a mystery per episode at the at the very least does does that um, become somewhat repetitive after a whole no. series or no 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 because it's not like they're solving them it's not like it's a deliberate midsummer murders type thing it's just they're the way they're presenting the story to you isn't very clear they don't present story in a very on the nose way so you're right. sitting there in the back trying to put the pieces together for different characters and how they're interacting what happened to whom when by who like who's where and who's doing what and all those things it's really good um i would i would recommend it completely awesome that sounds like a lot of fun it's really it's really good excellent i'm going to tell you what i watched this week it was judas and the black messiah ah, nice. which is the film which came out earlier this year for a very short time on uh, streaming services and at uh, cinemas. You can watch it on Amazon Prime if you buy it. It has the likes of Daniel Kaluuya, Lakeith Stanfield, Jesse Plemons, Dominique Fishback and Martin Sheen uh, playing J. Edgar Hoover. Mm -hmm. So this uh, Judas and the Black Messiah is the story of, uh, the true story of how Bill O'Neill, an FBI informant, was uh, tasked with getting close to Fred Hampton, who is the chairman of the Chicago Black Panther Party, yes. uh, who was then murdered by Chicago police in 1968. Now, if you are a, a long-time listener to this show, you'll recall I have recommended a couple of podcasts about this actual story, and specifically... Yeah, you've been, you've been revisiting this story. Fred Hampton, who was only 21 yeah. when he was put on the FBI's, essentially, hit list of uh, dangerous people in the States because, he, you know, he was feeding communities, he was uh, getting people to support one another, all these, like, terrible things that uh, well, the no, FBI yeah, he hated. Was, he was uniting people instead of dividing them, and therefore he was dangerous. It, it, precisely, yeah. Uh, and this film, I believe, is the first movie to really go into the story of, of Fred Hampton, and particularly this let's say, six to 12-month span leading up to his death. So the, the film received rave reviews. Daniel Kaluuya won dozens of awards for his performance as Fred Hampton, including the Oscar yeah. for Best Supporting Actor. And my goodness, after maybe 60 seconds in the first scene, like, you forget you're actually watching a British former Skins actor. I mean, like, he is yeah. absolutely phenomenal. He totally disappears into the role of Fred Hampton. You forget you're actually watching Daniel Kaluuya, and that, as we talked about before, is the mark of someone who 
who, who is doing a good job of the old acting. You forget you're actually yeah, they're watching. legitimately acting. Yeah, ex- precisely. It's undoubtedly the best piece of acting I've seen all year. Nice. And uh, absolutely phenomenal. Lakeith Stanfield's another standout. Now, what I feel a little bit sorry for Mr. Stanfield is that he is he's excellent. He's brilliant as the informant Bill O'Neill, but he's totally overshadowed by Daniel Kaluuya oh, because he's okay, okay, okay. He's playing the role of Fred Hampton, who the whole story, whilst Fred Hampton is not the main character, he essentially is. Yeah, you know, whilst he may have less screen time than than Bill O'Neill, he is the main character. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's the reason you're watching. Precisely. I'm a huge fan of Lakeith Stanfield, though. You will have seen him. Stanfield is wonderful. Oh, he's so good. Uh, Knives Out, Get Out, Uncut Gems, sorry to bother you, but this 100% is Daniel Kaluuya's film. Uh, Directing, the editing, both excellent. Shaka King, who's a first-time director, I believe, got a lot of praise for this and also was nominated uh, in many awards. So if you are interested in the Fred Hampton story and want to see all the scummy things the FBI did, (laughs) uh, listen to all the podcasts which exist about the Black Panther Party at the time in the late 60s, early 70s, and then watch this movie as well. The final thing I'll say is that if you recall a few months ago, I I, uh, reviewed... The Trial of the Chicago 7, which was a similar era to this film. It's almost like a contemporary, but the difference is that The Trial of the Chicago 7 was very much framed from the perspective of essentially white liberals in the 70s, a lot of the the hippie movement. Whereas this, you have this, from start to finish, this horrible sense of dread and foreboding from the start to the end, whereas with The Trial of the Chicago 7, it is more like a popcorn entertainment movie. Yes. Less okay. about... I see what you mean. Here's the, here's the brutality of what Mr. Hampton and his associates and the Black Panther Party and the black populations in the States as a whole during that time were going through. And it's then bookended by actual footage of Bill O'Neill, the informant, uh, giving his one and only on-camera interview in 1989. He then took his own life the next year. Wow. As well as footage of Fred Hampton giving speeches and uh, lots of other pieces of archive footage. It's really powerful stuff. I thought it was phenomenal, and uh, yeah, well worth a watch. Well, no, that that one's been on my list for a while. I should really get around to it. Um, I, I can only imagine how good it is. Yeah, it's the kind of one you want to like just turn your phone off or put it on silent and just don't touch it. Yeah, full focus. This is a brain on film. Although like precisely to be to be fair, even in some of the less serious roles, almost anything that Keith Stanfield is in is a brain on film in some ways because he's <laughs> usually got something going on that is worth paying close attention to. Did you ever watch Uncut Gems? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've watched Uncut Gems. Okay, right. Because I'm actually... I think we talked about it. Yeah, I'm very tempted to, to go back and watch that. That's the Adam Sandler movie for everybody who's who's racking their brains yeah. in which Adam Sandler was robbed of best actor at the Oscars. I'm not even kidding. He was genuinely robbed. Yeah, yeah. So Lakeith Stanfield is a supporting actor in that movie and he is phenomenal. He's great in that. And I would actually go back to watch that, despite the fact that that film was the most stressful movie experience I've had in Horribly years. Horribly stressful, but yeah, maybe worth the revisit. Definitely worth rewatching. So there we go, that's my two recommendations. Yeah. Judas and the Black Messiah and Uncut Gems. My big lucky Stanfield direct would be Atlanta TV. I have not watched Atlanta. I've been told by so many people to watch it and I still haven't. It's really good and he's great in it. But so is every- everybody's really good in that. Done. It's on the list. 
Right, James, let's uh, wrap up. We have several hard news stories still to go. Let's start. The classic, the classic horrible sandwich, but the, the filling's nice. Exactly, yeah. We had the tasty jam and cheese and cream in the middle. And now we're Except back we to... we also talked about coronavirus in the middle as well. And the FBI. This is the fact that... And people pointing laser pointers in people's eyes. Oh, and England. Gosh, okay. Right. North America experienced its warmest June ever. Yep. According to uh, the EU's Earth Observation Programme. This, of course, comes as no surprise if you've been watching the news. Man. Uh, after the heat wave that hit uh, Canada and parts of the US over the last Pacific Northwest 10 days. Yeah. So... Worldwide, it was the fourth warmest June uh, June ever. And uh, yeah, particularly in North America, what has baffled and stunned meteorologists and experts alike is that dozens of cities recorded uh, new top record temperatures. Yep. And it wasn't just by like 0.1 of a degree or you know 0. 0.5 of a degree. No. It was fully five degrees Celsius hotter than it has ever been before. Yeah. The temperatures has all been like getting the audience clapping for the run up for their uh, their jumps. That was uh, they 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 were way above the bar. Yeah, some places both north and south of the uh, American Canadian border hit forty nine degrees Celsius. Can't, these numbers, I cannot believe how high these numbers are for the north of something. <laughs> and, and there was particularly in Canada dozens of people who died. Yeah. Uh, particularly in the Vancouver, wider Vancouver area, more than 130 sudden deaths were oh. reported over the weekend. Uh, most were elderly or had underlying health conditions, but the heat was clearly a contributing factor. And in the village or perhaps the small town of uh, Lytton or Lytton in British Columbia, it hit almost 50 degrees and then the entire place burned down yeah there were buildings schools offices which essentially there was this wildfire and the whole place burned to uh, to dust so james this is this is pretty horrendous and also just another feather in the cap of uh, climate change yeah yeah no but there's nothing nothing we can do we we've just got it we just got to live with it we'll get the new normal of like regularly having things burned down because it got so hot that stuff caught fire um you know we we got to let the oil companies do what they do set fire to the ocean if they want to it's fine oh i i presume you saw the footage of that as well <laughs> yeah with like tiny little boats spewing water onto the water <laughs> that was on fire yeah that this was the the pipeline just off the coast of mexico which ignited and then we did see these post-apocalyptic videos of uh yeah this raging inferno under the water that's where we're heading this is this is awful this is this is genuinely a disaster for all of humankind in the in the upcoming decades things are only going to get hotter we're, we're looking at like... So why does nobody care? Well, because it's not profitable to yet. We're, we're, we are approaching the point where companies are getting paid to do carbon capture uh, like a lot. Scotland's opening up a new carbon capture plant that will offset like a little bit of uh, the total that we produce. Um, but it's not... Until, until it is a legitimate business strategy, nothing is going to be done when the world is, is run the way it is. So we either need to have mass political change or just pay the big pay the big monies to the the big corpos to deal with the problem. Um, so of course the big corpos are going to want that second one where they get to be the infrastructure of cleaning the cleaning the air as well as the cleaning the everything else and owning everything else. 
Yeah, we, we also saw closer to home in Edinburgh at the weekend that uh, two-thirds of the expected rainfall for July fell in 45 minutes in Edinburgh. That was... We, we had a big rain here as well. Leaving a flash flooding yeah. in its wake. Huge rains in, in Scotland. Yeah, I, I came home from Inverness to find puddles on my floor because it turns out my oh, leak, yeah, your leak has not been fixed. So here we oh, are, dear. almost a year later, and the leak is still not fixed. Wow. Which is another reason why I want to move, but hey, home. I need to fix that first. No, those rains were huge. I uh, I actually cracked, got the phone out to record it because yep. it was just so sudden. And it was so loud. I wanted to get the audio sent over to, to my girlfriend because I guess, well, she would, she'd just been through a heat wave. So it kind of felt like bragging, but it was still like <laughs> a big, a big thing. And I just yeah, sat yeah. and looked at the rain for a bit and really enjoyed the view. I feel we've been very lucky in Scotland this year so far, wherein there have been forecasts of heat waves around the corner all the time. Yep. But we've only really had one. And ever since then, it keeps getting pushed back and it gets, keeps getting replaced by clouds and rain. And I am loving those clouds and rain. But I am sure we'll get our turn at the heat waves next week or something like that. Uh, but I, I, I hope that they, they won't be... I, I, I don't... There's no way out of this. I hope that we don't have to deal with heat waves for the rest of our lives. But we're going to have to. Globally. Yeah. The, so and it's awful. The final point of this before we move on is that I was reading what the scientists were saying. And one of them said, this event, the heat wave we saw in Canada and the US, was statistically impossible without the human contribution to to warming the planet. You know, this was the event that would have happened in a simulated world one in a million times. But now wow. that uh, we're everything that's been done, it's now one in 150 times. And we're likely to Yay. see more events like this, you know, every five years now. Oh. Uh, and, and yeah, you, you're right. This is the thing which is going to start happening more and more. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know that's pretty bad. We're all going to buy AC and then that's going to use more power, which will use more fossil fuels. <laughs> We gotta go green. I mean, we are going green in Scotland pretty well. I'm, I'm not proud, but I'm, I'm at least not super angry at the way things are going um, okay. in some countries. But my goodness, it just feels like doom, and it's not pleasant. It's, it's. I'm, I'm finding it a lot easier to deal with the pandemic and thinking about that than I am thinking about the future of, of the world with, with things going the way it is with global warming. Indeed. Okay, a few more stories to go. Uh, mass murderer and uh, warmonger Donald Rumsfeld died. Uh, the two-time US Defence Secretary who was the well, one of the main architects oh, Give of- him the respect he deserves. He must be like a top 10 warmonger. Okay. Not even just like a, one of the... Sorry, yeah, no, top 10, fair enough. He was one of the main architects of the Iraq War. Uh, who died at the age of uh, 88. He, for example, claimed he was the lead proponent of claiming, claiming that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction, but lo and behold, no such weapons were ever found. Surprise! Uh, he, of course, staunchly defended his record, but many experts blamed him for decisions that uh, led to the difficulties we saw in Iraq and in the wider region. And, uh, you know, things like firing uranium shells into the town of, or the city of Fallujah, despite the fact that that was massively populated by just regular Iraqi civilians and a tiny proportion of uh, insurgent soldiers, it's the kind of thing that Donald Rumsfeld will be remembered for, rather than, you know, being a good upstanding politician. He is someone whose decisions led to the deaths of over 100,000, and that's, sorry, that's a completely made up figure, it's way higher than that. (laughs) Maybe quarter of a million Iraqi civilians. It's probably even higher than that. 
I'm going to look it up whilst you Even talk. Even saying deaths is too passive there. The killing off. Correct, correct, right? yeah. We've got to be active here. Like, the... the, the, the it's an, it's another thing that when you have countries that look been in their past, they just keep forgiving themselves for everything they've ever done, all these atrocities. But look how recently we've been doing these terrible things and people are just wanting to forgive it and like treat people with respect because they're dead. It's like, well, no, we got to keep calling this out until there's legitimate accountability when people are causing mass, mass civilian killing worldwide <laughs> and they're not doing it and we're just still now sitting back and watching many other uh, catastrophes and wars and everything going on because it's profitable or because it would be too much of an expense to try and like stop contributing to it yeah j- just to give you some quotes here from mr rumsfeld in 2002 he said i can't tell you if the use of force in iraq today will last five days or five weeks or five months but it certainly isn't going to last any longer than that. Sure, yeah, nice, yeah. Followed up by, Saddam Hussein has an active program to acquire and develop nuclear weapons. Which was a lie. Well, and also, which we've established, why wouldn't you? You're sitting in a world where a bunch of warmongering superpowers have them. Why wouldn't you want some? Come on. Yeah, also, it turned out my, my guess was actually around right. Hey... It's terrible. Around uh, 185,000 to 210,000 Iraqis were killed in the uh, the war. And the Afghan war, of course, which um, this week, James, the US military left in the middle of the night from the Bagram Air Base and didn't tell the Afghani forces they were leaving. Yeah, everything's still so dysfunctional there. They don't trust their own supposed allies to not leak info that they're leaving. So they just leave in the middle of the night. Uh, the, it just shows that the, the, the supposed Western countries, which is one of the most ridiculous labels that I will have to conti- continue to use because there's nothing else to say, are just incompetent globally and are only interested in their own um, profit and their own security. They don't care about anybody else. Um, and they don't even do a good job of caring about their own security. Uh, we're led by a bunch of incompetence and there's nothing we can do. Uh, it sucks. Also, just adding to this, we had uh, Jamil Jafar, who is the uh, the head of Columbia University's uh, First Amendment Institute, who tweeted, and he's got the uh, the memo here, which he's, he's printed for everybody to see. Rumsfeld gave the orders that resulted in the abuse and torture of hundreds of prisoners in US custody in Afghanistan, Iraq, and Guantanamo Bay. This should be at the top of every obituary. And in the image itself, yeah. you see that Rumsfeld had signed this memo, which authorised 20 hour interrogations of prisoners removal of clothing the use of phobias and stress positions for up to four hours and then in his handwriting at the bottom he says I stand for eight to ten hours a day why is standing limited to only four this is uh, yeah this is who we're talking about here yeah and and you know what they know it doesn't work he signed that knowing it is ineffective and it does nothing but cause pain he wanted to cause pain he didn't want anything else this this kind of person needs to be remembered as a monster and that alone they do not deserve well, any respectful sending off they don't need any kind memories if they're like family wants to remember them for cooking a nice burger once sure thing <laughs> don't publish it though my question James because we have seen a, a pretty blanket outpouring of uh, of praise 
to Mr Rumsfeld from largely former US politicians, Condoleezza Rice uh, among them. What's the line then between someone who clearly was a terrible person whose actions led to the deaths of literally hundreds of thousands of innocent people versus those who are saying, uh, to, to, to quote Miss Condoleezza Rice here, Mr Rumsfeld was a remarkable and committed public service, a good friend and a steady presence. A good friend. Yeah, right, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, do you, how do you balance that? Well, one, you can tell that she's chosen the only the only words that she could to say nice things about him because none of those are actually achievements. <laughs> That's um, fair. But the balance for me, when you're looking at people who are maybe of a questionable legacy, is to look at their intent. And this guy intended damage and pain, profit for him and his friends, and that is it. He didn't intend any good for the masses or any good for uh, civilians or any good for anybody outside of who he cared about directly and his own power and all of that. So that's the only thing that matters when you've got the questionable legacies is you look at what they intended overall. And this, this, this is one of those that intended harm and therefore forget about him. And if you want to remember him, it's on a list of bad people who, who, who need to be uh, never repeated again. Okay, another couple of very sad so- stories to talk about before we wrap up. Uh, let's start we forgot with... one as well, by the way. Okay, I'll let you get to that in a second. Uh, this is the news that the soldiers, sorry, the British soldiers, the last two who were due to stand trial for their part in Bloody Sunday, where men and boys were shot dead in the street, yeah. were uh, cleared, were cleared of uh, any criminal action. This was uh, Soldier F and Soldier B, who were standing trial for a variety of charges. And, uh, James, the fact is that no soldier whatsoever who took part in Bloody Sunday, where people were were shot, murdered, killed, will now ever face any punishment. And those in charge were actually decorated uh, yeah. by the Queen with military yeah. honours at the time. Indeed. And this is, um, yeah, that's, that's incredibly sad. And also, beggars' belief that despite the fact that, you know, teenagers, boys were murdered by British soldiers, no one will ever be... Well, no one will ever face punishment for that. That's very sad. Yeah, and it's the passive voice um, forgiveness that you see from most of the supporters of the UK in this that it disgusts me the most, where it's like, well, they were sent in to deal with the troubles, and when the when you have to do something like that, bad things happen, and it's a shame. And it's like, no, it was still a murder. People need to... Be punished when you literally just kill civilians. Yeah, just to, um, to add the the background info here: thirteen people were shot dead, fifteen wounded uh, when the parachute reg- regiment opened fire on civil rights yeah. protesters in Derry in 1972. I don't care about this. Soldiers are just like they're just people who follow orders, and it like I don't care about that. They did it. Um, they've got a conscience. They know not to kill civilians. Doesn't really matter what the circumstances are. Uh, there needs to be repercussions. To, um, for anything that is provable, it's, it's, it is a glaring weakness in the justice system that not a single person is getting anything at them after, what, 50 years or whatever. Um, it, the more disgusting thing, of course, is that the people who who told them to do it, who gave the orders, only ever got praised for it initially and still aren't really getting any any uh, repercussions for for making this happen with their command. Uh, and it just shows it's a, it's a system that's imbalanced against people out with the power circle because soldiers are in the power circle. It's a shame, but they are. Um, civilians need to matter. 
and they need to match her 50 years ago, they need to match her now. They, t- they just need to. OK, one more story in this worst sandwich ever, and this is Bill Cosby, who was uh, released from prison hours after his sexual assault conviction was overturned by Pennsylvania Supreme Court. The judges said there had been a process violation by the prosecution, right. uh, which they admitted was unusual. So Mr. Cosby, who's now 83, served uh, over two years off a three to ten year sentence at prison uh, in a prison near Philadelphia. Uh, in 2018, he had been found guilty of drugging and molesting oh. the ex-basketball player Andrea Constant. Yeah. So dozens of people publicly accused Mr. Cosby of sexual assault. He was only tried criminally for one, and his conviction in 2018 was very much seen as a landmark moment. But uh, the reason this was overturned was because the lawyers for Bill Cosby had made an agreement with a previous prosecutor that he would not be charged. And then he was. Right. He was found guilty, and then, here we go, two and a half years later, they say, ah, they, they made a deal not to charge him. They did. So therefore, he has to go. Right. So that's where we are. It's pretty scummy. Um, I don't like it. Absolutely. Uh, I think this is another person who I'm sure people would have loved to, to look back at his legacy and have kept that kind of admiration that he had this whole time. And um, this is another person who in his fading years, as he is fading, um, should just mostly be forgotten unless other people are willing to bring things to court. And I would love it. If more people were willing to bring things to court, it would. It's it's incredibly brave to do so. It's incredibly difficult to do so. It's it's not always necessary if uh, that people feel like they've got closure. But you know, when you've got somebody who has got this much of a tarnished legacy with so many people who are um, coming forward with their stories, you want some of those stories to be heard and to have justice yeah but if if that is not to be found and if he's a free man for the rest of his life i just hope we don't see him at award ceremonies i hope we don't see him at this and that and the next thing he needs to be just out of public sight um so he can stop praising somebody who's uh and as far as i'm concerned still guilty <laughs> he got found guilty <laughs> um just because they uh, had, had agreed not to trial doesn't really take that word of guilt away from me um yeah but again, that's personal. I, that's not that's not how the law works. It's it's just a scummy story. I don't I don't. It's just legal systems are such a mess, and they blow my mind. And you know that world that is a mess. The final story that we've completely forgotten to mention at all. There has been an incredibly significant assassination. Yes, of the leader of a country this week. So Haiti's president was... Yes. And this was only given the briefest of mentions on the BBC News because England won a football match. The uh, Haitian president was uh, was assassinated over over the last couple of days, which is uh, yeah awful. This is 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 shattering. Like my goodness, that stuff still happens now. As far as I'm aware, the the people who were paid to do it have been killed themselves in a standoff since. Um, so that's the mercenaries down. I don't remember. I don't remember or recall right now if we know uh, at all any indication of who hired the mercenaries. But no, uh, what a time to go through for a country. That'll be up and up a moment of upheaval I don't know how, how the balance of power is going to go f- from here um, but we can only hope for a little bit more peace and my deep sympathies to anybody who was caught up in it and it's a shame it's a shame that it was a story that wasn't covered
because we almost forgot too. Yeah, so this was uh, Jovenel Moise, who was killed and his wife was injured in an attack on their home in Port-au-Prince. It's terrifying. Uh, at 1am local time after uh, several weeks of protest demanding his, his resignation. He'd been in charge of the country for four years, uh, but their recent history, according to this article, has been plagued by coups, political instability, yes. and uh, widespread gang violence. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is a barbaric act of just taking the life of another person because uh, of things that have happened. That's 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 bad. Yeah, and like, it's politics. And for all I know, because I'm so unaware of the situations of some of these more minor countries, he might have been a terrible human being on some on some level. I don't have a clue. But my goodness, seeing anybody getting assassinated is huge news. And the the destabilization the destabilizing effect that that you get from that instead of having a legitimate shift of power is terrible. So all we can hope for is that from here on out things are legitimate. And that no more harm happens. Well, on that cheery note, it is time to end the show. Seesaw Parade is here uh, basically every single week. Thank you very much for listening, and please do join us again next week for more delightfully cheery chat like you've just listened to. But seriously, thank you for listening. Wow, yeah, that was a that was a, a big one in terms of heavy conversation. <laughs> it was. We, can, we it's fine. We can talk about like nice stuff, like what we were having for lunch, or you know. I mean, Disney got a new film coming out. Yeah, we didn't talk about that. Okay, well, <laughs> talk about that next, next week. week. Right, James. Thank you for your time. We'll see you next week. Absolutely. Bye, bye, everybody. Bye. Oh wait, surprise ending. Yeah, I've got a full length sleeve tattoo now. Hey, it wasn't dirt. <laughs>